Good morning and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a Vision for You Big Book Study. My name is Katie G and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater, anorexic and bulimic. Today is Thursday, September 20th, 2018, and this is the 7 a.m. Eastern Standard Time meeting. Today we are reading from the Big Book, Alcoholics Anonymous, and we are in the chapter Two Wives, starting on page 118 with the third paragraph, beginning with we women carry around with us a picture, and we are reading through four paragraphs ending with lose the old life to find one much better with comments on all paragraphs. Today's readers are the 12 Steps, Devora S., the 12 Traditions, Jody E.Q., and the readers of the text are Larry K., Naomi B., and Devora S. The reference number for Wednesday, September 19th, 2018, are the 7 a.m. Eastern Time, 11931, and the 10 a.m. Eastern Time, 11937. The OA Preamble, Overeaters Anonymous, is a fellowship of individuals who, through shared experience, strength, and hope, are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members, we are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and compulsive food behaviors and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose, a vision for you big book study, always fifth tradition states, each group has what one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At a vision for you big book study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I will now ask Devora S. to read the 12 steps of Overeaters Anonymous. Devora? Hi, thank you, Katie. And my name is Devora S. and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater from New Jersey. We admitted we were powerless over alcohol, but our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact, the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, we're entirely ready to have God remove all of these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. 10, continued to, pay, to take personal inventory, and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. 11, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. And 12, having had a spiritual awakening as a result of these steps, we try to carry this message to alcoholics to practice these principles in all of our affairs. Thanks, Devora. I will now ask Jody E.Q. to please read the 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. Jody? Good morning, everybody. Good morning, Katie. Yes, this is Jody E.Q., gratefully recovering in California. 
The 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. Number one, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God, as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants, they do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. 10, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues, hence the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. 11, our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, films, television, and other public media of communication. 12, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Thank you for being of service. Thank you, Jody. How our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing, and that you keep your sharing to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year and for readers is six months. There is no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star one to unmute. Once you are done sharing, let us know by saying pass, then press star one to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone except the speakers should be muted. Today, we resume our study of the big book in the chapter Two Wives. We are starting on page 118 with the third paragraph that begins with, we women carry around with us a picture. And we are reading through four paragraphs ending with, lose the old life to find one much better, with comments on all paragraphs. And I will now ask Larry Kay to please begin reading. Larry? Hey, Katie. Thanks for your service. Gabby, thanks for your service. Morning. All right. Good morning. Okay. We women carry with us a picture of the ideal man, the sort of chap we would like our husbands to be. It is the most natural thing in the world, once his liquor problem is solved, to feel that he will now measure up to that cherished vision. The chances are he will not 
he will not, for like yourself, he is just beginning his development. Be patient. Another feeling we are likely to entertain is one of resentment that love and loyalty could not cure our husbands of alcoholism. We do not like the thought that the contents of a book or the work of another alcoholic has accomplished in a few weeks that for which we struggled for years. At such moments, we forget that alcoholism is an illness over which we could not possibly have any power. Your husband will be the first to say, to say that it was your devotion and care which brought him to the point where he could have the spiritual experience. Without you, he would have gone to pieces long ago. When resentful thoughts come, try to pause and count your blessings. After all, your family is reunited. Alcohol is no longer a problem, and you and your husband are working together toward an undreamed of future. Still another difficulty is that you may become jealous of the attention he bestows on other people, especially alcoholics. You have been starving for his companionship, but he spends long hours helping other men and their families. You feel he should now be yours. The fact is that he should work with other people to maintain his own sobriety. Sometimes he will be so interested that he becomes really neglectful. Your house is filled with strangers. You may not like some of them. He gets stirred up about their troubles, but not at all about yours. It will do little good if you point that out and urge more attention for yourself. We find it a real mistake to dampen his enthusiasm for alcoholic work. You should join in his efforts as much as you possibly can. We suggest that you direct some of your thought to the wives of his new alcoholic friends. They need the counsel and love of a woman who has gone through what you have. It is probably true that you and your husband have been living too much alone, for drinking many times isolates the wife of an alcoholic. Therefore, you probably need fresh interests and a great cause to live for as much as your husband. If you cooperate rather than complain, you will find that his excess enthusiasm will tone down. Both of you will awaken to a new sense of responsibility for others. You, as well as your husband, ought to think of what you can put into life instead of how much you can take out. Inevitably, your lives will be fuller for doing so. You will lose the old life and find one much better. Okay, well, yeah, there's a lot here. I, I think of my own experience, I, cer I certainly think of Lois and Bill, you know, um, boy, she had been through the ringer. Uh, my wife at the time had um, had been through the ringer. You know, I know in, in Bill's case, um, you know, my goodness, he used to steal money from her purse when she was working at the department store. Of course, she was the only one with the job. You know, she had really seen a lot. And yet, at the same time, she saw that he had become awakened, that something had happened to him that changed him. And now, you know, he had tremendous passion to stay on this beam of recovery. And, and you know, and, and at times, by his own admission, I mean, he wrote this thing, he was neglectful of her. Um, you know, and, and, and I've had similar experiences, although I wasn't married, been in relationships where, you know, I, I need to do certain things to stay on this beam of recovery. I am a different person today. You know, Bill had changed. We, we have changed. You know, at the same time, you know, they, they, they say even in the end there where, I mean, there's so much here, it's so rich, but, um, you know, inevitably, you know, our lives will be fuller for doing so, for, for participating in this. We will lose the old life and find one much better. You know, today, I, I have to do certain things uh, to stay tethered to God. 
And I don't do those things to keep away from the food. That's not, that's not on my mind anymore. God has removed that for me by the grace of God. You know, I'm, I'm changed in that way. However, and that, that's not me, by the way. However, um, what I would say is, is that I do these things so that I can um, stay connected and that I can live, you know, an honest life, a pure life, that I can, um, you know, maintain this relationship and that I can be a better person because today, like Bill, you know, still not perfect, but at the same time, I can be someone who shows up today. I can show up for other people, not, not only people in program, but people in my you know, work life, people in my family life, my daughter. And so it really is the spiritual program just wrapping up is a tremendous, tremendous life. And we can be supportive. They're telling the wives, the husbands, the other people, we can be supportive of that person. And with that, I will pass. Thanks. Thank you, Larry. And if you're just joining us, we are in the chapter Two Wives, starting on page 118 with the third paragraph. We women carry around with us a picture. And we are reading through four paragraphs, ending with to lose the old life to find one much better with comments on all paragraphs. And it sounds like we got some people ready to share. So please say your name so I can write your name down. Richard B. Marcella M. Roz B. I got Richard B. Shannon B. Marcella M. Harlan G. Um, Lisa Shannon, B. Lisa Harlan. I missed. Shannon. Okay. Yep, I got you, Shannon. Um, Roz. Okay, so I have, I think we're good. I have Richard B., Marcella M., Roz G., Shannon B., Lisa H., and Harlan G. And if everyone who's not Richard B. could please remute their phone, we'll go ahead and get started with Richard B. sharing. Good morning, Richard. Thank you very much. Uh, sorry for the puppy noise in the background, everybody. Good morning. My name is Richard B., and I am a grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater. And this morning, focusing on that word grateful hasn't been easy. Um, but I must remember, I am loved, and I have a higher power, and I am abstinent, and that is a gift. Um, reading through the text here, um, when resentful thoughts crop up, count your blessings. Um, this morning I was very resentful of my higher power. Like after losing my job last week, um, I had been suffering from depression quite a lot. And I reached out to my best friend who's in program and she said, write a gratitude list. And for a good while I was like, screw that. I don't want to. I want to wallow in my depression. But in the end, I wanted out of it. And I wrote a gratitude list and it worked. And I felt more positive and I got out of my depression and my self-loathing. Um, so what it says in the book really does work. What I can give to life rather than get out of it. Um, I got to remember it gets me out of self and by being of service to others, I can do that. Um, so, yeah, inevitably our lives will be full of the doing so. Um, I'm certainly feeling better this morning. Um, so working the program has worked. Has worked. Um, I'm not perfect, but if I do the next right thing, as it says, I feel better and I do better. And I'm a service to others. 
and tomorrow night I get to um, give my service for free by performing in a concert um, for charity um, in the village and um, I wasn't too keen on that at first due to my back injury but I'm actually grateful now to go and just freely give my talents um, without expectations of what will come from it. So with that Okay, Richard, I think we, we lost you there, but thank you so much for your share. And we will now have Marcella M. Marcella? Hi, Katie. Good to hear you and your baby. Marcella M., um, composer over Eater Recovered. I have lived this um, section of the book to the T. Um, my husband fell in love with me and married me while I was still, was still active in my compulsive overeating. And I was very heavy, but he still loved me. God bless him. And um, he's a traditional oil painter. And um, my fat picture is like a huge canvas that oftentimes is exhibited in some museums here in Boston. And um, and anyway, so I um, hit bottom, recently married to him, and um, and I lost all the weight. And he got really jealous that um, I wouldn't trust his perception of beauty. He said, um, why in the world would you want to lose any weight? I mean, you're, you're perfect the way it is. But what was not perfect or calm or serene was my mind because I was constantly trying to lose weight and control the food. So I lost all the weight, and and at the beginning she was, you know, like like not very happy. And then she learned how to appreciate uh, my calmness and my serenity. But then she got jealous of all the time that I'm spending, you know, doing that toasted work and getting live on a vision for you or listening to a vision for you. Um, the fire truck is coming, and. Um, and uh, so he got jealous, and then, but little, little by little, he's learning how to um, be friends with the people that I spend my life with, which is a lot of addicts. And lately, I have been blessed with the opportunity to spread the good word in Spanish, in Spanish-speaking countries. And um, little by little, my husband has become, sometimes he comes with me, and sometimes he doesn't like to come with me. So, but when he comes to me, he keeps uh, company to all the husbands. <laughs> He keeps company to all the husbands whose wives are in a big book um, weekend, you know, studying the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous, while the husbands are twisting their thumbs, and my husband has become friends with them. Uh, we're going together to Mexico. Very, very soon we're going together to Mexico, and to Guadalajara and to Mexico City. He doesn't want to go to Madrid with me. For my life, I don't understand that. He doesn't want to go to Europe with me, and and... I mean, sometimes he says, um, you know what, I could use like a few few days with, without you by myself. <laughs> you have a workshop coming soon. So he's come slowly to appreciate um, my work of 12-step, and he's used by now to my different kind of body. And the biggest blessing of all is that he's in AA with me, so we speak the same language. But oh, I can only imagine our husbands, our wives, our loved ones, who are not familiar with a big book, how they have to learn how to share us with others. Time, so that please. Can survive. Thank you. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you. Thank you, Marcella. And next we have Roz. Was it G? Roz G or Roz? 
Roz, are you there? Roz R? Yes, Roz G. Can you hear me? I can, Roz. Go ahead, please. Oh, okay. I'm trying to get off speaker here. Okay. Good morning. This is Roz G, and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater in Los Angeles County. And I had to share on this this morning because I see so much of myself in these paragraphs as both the wife and the alcohol or the, you know, compulsive overeater. <clears throat> and I have I have written in the margin here, am I willing to give up what I want to think about what others want? Because, you know, I have an ego. It's just taming my ego. Is I have to, like Larry said, I have to be tethered to God all of the time because I have a super ego. And a lot of the things I do, even, you know, in abstinence, are to gain attention, are to gain praise, are to get, you know, to get a pat on the back. And I don't like that about myself. But what I've learned is that, you know, I'm just like, you know, I'm like an alcoholic. I'm like a, I'm like everybody else. I have a big ego. And I I I want to be that person that um is 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 patient, is tolerant, is understanding, is loving. You know, sometimes a monster comes out. So I have to, I have to pray and meditate every morning or the monster will come out. And then the the living let live, you know, being judgmental. You're not doing what I want you to do. Oh, I have to work on my own spirituality because nobody's going to do it my way. They're going to flip the script on me and I'm going to get angry. I'm going to see my own defects come out and I'm going to be critical. So in order, you know, I... It's so true that these thoughts have to go constantly with me. I have to pray, uh, meditate in the morning. You know, when when I was at the uh, conference uh, in uh, uh, New Jersey, Ruth said something. She said, if you stop praying a few minutes before than you usually do, then you're already on a way to the relapse. And I was like, oh, come on, give me a break here. But, you know, <laughs> she was right. She was right. So I need to, yes, I need to have that attitude of gratitude in the morning. And it does change my heart. But I have to do it every day. I can't live on yesterday's attitude of gratitude. So, and then I also dreamed about what the man should be. What about me? Who who am I going to be? Why why am I expecting you to be something that you can't be? Why don't I just focus on myself and let God take care of the rest? I think I'm working on it. But, you know. I have to just keep it up and not beat up on myself. Progress, not perfection. There's so many slogans that I was thinking of as I was listening to the shares. And here we have live and let live. And with that, I pass. Thank you. Thank you, Roz. And we will now have, I think it's Shannon H. followed by Lisa B. Shannon? Or is it Shannon B? It's Shannon B. I think it's Lisa H., I think. Oh, you're right, Shannon. Yep, okay. All right, so Shannon and then Lisa. Go ahead, Shannon. Good morning, and good morning to your little cohort. Um, I'm so grateful to be here. This is Shannon B. from Athens, Georgia, recovered compulsive overeater. And I just had to get on the line this morning because this just fired me up. I'm so grateful. God always has me where I need to be. And um, gosh, there was so much in this reading. I was thinking about myself. Um, when I was in the food and how 
I mean, honestly, I will lie, cheat, and steal in order to get whatever I want and whatever I needed to get you out of the way between me and my God, and my God was food. Or how I was going to manipulate what was going to be the next time I was going to eat or when I, how I was going to lose it, you know, to lose the weight. So then I could, you know, whatever. And um, I really, I thought I cared about other people. I thought that I was cash register honest. Um, in fact, the delusion was unbelievable because I was none of those things. And I did not care about other people. And I did not. You were not going to get in the way of my comfort. I mean, that just wasn't, that didn't even... That was not a concept that made sense to me. I was a victim of the world, and you needed to make me comfortable. And um, I am so grateful when I heard this reading. I was like, yes, and I've already heard this sharing this morning. The answer is in remembering who's who. Um, I have so much written down, and one is surrender my heart to God and surrender my mind to God. And the answer is for me not to be afraid. I don't need to be afraid. And the answer is to trust and um, and bless the other person, change myself. And that was that was the big thing for me this morning that I heard is when I am upset, it is always, I know you've heard this before, because I'm trying to manipulate life to make me happy. And that immediately means I have lost my sight of my God. And um, the answer is always to turn back to my side of the street. It's unbelievable. (laughs) My side of the street and my relationship with the unchanging one. And um, I think that's all I have. I I love that. And I guess one other thing. I like in the end, and I'm sorry, I'm not sitting right in front of my big book, but I, um, I love, it's like also, how can I be of help to someone else? The end. So thank you so much for letting me share, and I'm so grateful to be here. Thank you, Shannon. And we will now have Lisa, followed by Harlan G., and then we'll open up the lines for sharing again. Lisa, go ahead. Good morning, Katie. This is Lisa B. I'm a grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater in Greenville, South Carolina, and thank you for your service. Um, I'm loving this reading, and all of a sudden, I was listening. I didn't think I was going to have anything to share, but I heard the reading. I re-read, I read it this morning before the meeting started, and I just was planning on listening, but these things came into my mind, and I want to share them in the hopes that maybe it could be helpful to someone else. So I am married, and when my husband met me, I was not recovered. Well, actually, I was abstinent, a white-knuckle abstinent for five years when I met him. And then I met him and I thought, oh, all my problems are solved. And maybe I was making too big of a thing of the food. So I got back into the food because I never experienced the the uh, recovered state in my mind, body, and spirit. I thought it was all about abstinence. So for many years, he's been with an untreated, unrecovered compulsive overeater. And when I came on this phone line and got introduced to OA really for the first time, um, and now I'm recovered, I want to share on the word enthusiasm. Uh, Enthusiasm means intense and eager enjoyment, interest, um, fervor, passion. And I would say, yes, he definitely saw that in me. And I needed to share with my husband. I actually had to sit down and share with him that as part of my rehabilitation, um, I must work with others. So not only was I on the phone constantly with Vision for You meeting, but also um, with my big book guide and going through the step process. And he did get resentful, and he became 
um, insecure and he thought, you know, I'm changing and I'm not going to want him anymore and now I'm committed to helping others and he shared with me, well, I don't live a life like that where I'm helping others and you're going to get bored with me. And um, just through prayer and doing my step work and, and getting recovered, you know, it says in the big book, when the spiritual malady is overcome, we straighten out mentally and physically. And that's what's happened to me. And I just kept... Um, practicing with God's help, trying to practice these principles in all my affairs and asking every morning for God to show me how to love my husband. What would God have me be? Looking at my relationship ideal with my husband and then trying with God's help. And you know what? It's wonderful. We have a a very happy marriage. And he's thrilled that I'm helping others. And he's actually changing as a result of the program and wanting to be of service to others without even realizing it. And he makes amends to me um, when he sees that he's wrong. But I just wanted to share that I had to sit down with him and explain the deadly malady of this illness, that although I looked okay on the outside, that this spiritual malady would take me down and it would be a slow death. And then I must, it's part of my rehabilitation, you know, share this message or try to share this message fervently, often without um, ease and comfort doing it. You know, it's often beyond my comfort zone, the way I work with others. But at now I try to share with my husband with the same love and compassion Time, the way please. I would with a newcomer. And I just wanted to share that if it helps other married folks out there. So with that, I pass. Thank you. Thank you, Lisa. And next up, we have Harlan G. And then we'll open up the lines again for sharing. Good morning, Harlan. Good morning, Katie. Good morning, Gabriella. Thank you both for your service this morning, and thank you to Team Thursday. I'm Harlan G., and I am in sweltering Scottsdale, Arizona, as a recovered compulsive overeater. We have a script in our head, most of us, and that script is talked about on page 60. It says each person is like an actor who wants to run the whole show forever trying to arrange the lights, the ballet, the scenery, and the rest of the players in his own way. If his arrangements would only stay put, if only people would do as he wished, the show would be great. Everybody, including himself, would be pleased. Life would be wonderful in trying to make these arrangements. Our actor might be sometimes be quite virtuous. He may even be kind, considerate, patient, generous. Even modest and self-sacrificing. On the other hand, he may be mean, egotistical, selfish, and dishonest. But as with most humans, he's more likely to have varied traits. The show doesn't come off very well. And the script isn't stuck to by life. We have a thing in our head that says, if Joe would stop drinking, if Bill Wilson would stop drinking, if Harlan would stop eating, here is how I think life could be. And it doesn't go that way. Sober up a horse thief. You've got a sober horse thief. January 24th, 1918, Lois Burnham marries Bill Wilson. Starts trying to get him sober when he comes back from World War I. Concerned about his drinking? Very much so, yes. She tried for years and years and years between 1918 and 1934. November of 1934, a drunken pitcher, Ebby Thatcher, who she remembered as a kid, comes through the door at 182 Clinton Street. Bill goes into the Oxford group. 
And within three weeks, he goes back into the hospital in December of 34 and stops drinking. What? Eddie Thatcher? Really? What? The house is now being turned upside down. Not the house with strangers yet, but between Bill and Lois. Why? Bill isn't sticking to the script. He goes out to Akron in the spring of 35, and this doctor, who they never met before, is furthering Bill's commitment to sobriety. Bill is not sticking to the script. Bill comes home one day in the fall of 35, winter of 35. Lois is working in the department store, says to Lois, hurry up, hurry up. We're going to be late for the Oxford group meeting. She takes her shoe and whips it out at his head. Bill starts laughing. Lois starts laughing. This isn't who she is, but he wasn't sticking to the script. 36 comes. The, the house is now full of strangers. He seems more interested in them than he does in Lois. She doesn't like some of them. They're gamblers and they're putzes. But he's staying sober, so she steadies the course. He is staying sober. He comes home and he's exhausted from different things, but he's sober. And he is not concentrating obsessively about his self. 570, then I'll turn you loose. It says, in this atmosphere, top of 570, the alcoholic often overcomes his excessive concentration upon himself. And Bill Wilson writes in his story, when all other measures fail, work with another alcoholic will save the day. When I'm working with somebody, Time, please. I can't concentrate on me, poor me. And with that, I'll pass. Thanks. Thank you, Harlan. <clears throat> Excuse me. We're now going to open up the meeting for more sharing. And just a reminder for those who are just joining us or don't have the page, we're on page 118. With the third paragraph, which begins with, we women carry around with us a picture, and we're reading through four paragraphs, ending with, lose the old life to find one much better, with comments on all paragraphs. Sounds like we're ready to go. Please give me your first name uh, only so I can hear you. Go ahead. Russ Dorita. So I have Russ, Nessa, Dorita. Who else? Reva P. Reva. Karen M. Is that Karen or Sharon? Karen M. Wonderful. Karen Leia D. Okay. Wow. We have six more people. Awesome. Okay. So if you're not Russ M, could everybody please press star one to mute your phone and we'll go ahead with these six. Russ, please go ahead. Good morning, Katie. How's my best friend named Katie right here right now on the phone doing? <laughs> I hope great with that beautiful baby. And my fellows, I hope you're doing spectacular, too. Russ Adam, recovered from overeater outside of Philly. So without my wife, Gina, I would have gone to pieces a million times. Yet, you know, I bulldozed her for 20 years, and she's still with me. Without her, I would have nothing. I would have zero. Without her support, without her, you know, her criticism, yes, her, her, her honest assessment of who I've been throughout my life. I would have nothing. 
We have a lot of turmoil going on right now, and she's by my side. And not between us, but in, in the family. And she's supporting me. After everything I put that beautiful woman through, she's with me. Then I become recovered rust, right? Oh, man, I'm Mr. Program. I got sponsees. I got friends on the phone. The earbuds are on. All the time. I'm on a meeting. I'm reading a book. I'm putting time into others. Yet she's still with me. And she understands it. And sure, she gets edgy sometimes. You know, there's been times, well, you know, I'm not really going to get you. I'm not going to have all of you. Because now you got to be, that. you have to be involved in, intensely in program. But she's seeing it. Because things have changed. Things have changed. You know, we're no, no longer button heads as much. I mean, we're only human. We're going to have our little spats here and there. But we're working together. We're building our dreams together. We're praying about our dreams. We're vision casting our dreams together. Not Russ, not Gene. And, and it's just crazy. To be honest with you, last night I'm with her at Bible study, and I looked at her, and it just it took me back. Like I have this, I'm just so blessed with this woman. And she hung in there. And if it wasn't for program, I would have still been just, honey, get this, do that. Hey, I got to get this done. Get out of my way. It would have just, I would have never realized it. I'm so grateful. There's a miracle in that. Just that I can appreciate my wife, that I can see who she truly is. And these pages are just tearing me up inside. You know, they're just working on my heart. On what, what I really have, how rich I am. And, uh, Okay, that's enough. I just want to let you know I love you guys. And thanks for letting me express this. I appreciate it. Y'all have a good day. Thank you, Russ. <clears throat> we will now have Nessa R. followed by Dorita P. Nessa, please go ahead. Hi. Good morning, Vision for You. My name is Nessa R. And I am a recovered compulsive overeater in Toronto, Canada. There's so much... Uh, in these paragraphs that were read, I, you know, it's hard to, to choose what to, what to share on. But the beginning really touched me and got me to a place where I was maybe 27 years ago when I got married. Um, you know, my husband, um, who is the person that loves me the most in the world, I think, met me when I was a thin person. About, I was about 105 pounds. Um, because of all the crazy things that I did to, um, to stay thin. And I would think that less than a year into our marriage, I was already almost at 200 pounds. And, um, you know, he tried more than anybody I know to get me to see the light. Um, you know, he struggled for almost 20 years of our marriage to get me to see the light and he couldn't he couldn't because he didn't know how he didn't know what to do he didn't know how to get me to stop eating and the truth is I didn't know how you know he wanted me to stop eating I wanted me to stop eating I didn't know how you know if he had been successful if I had been successful if he had found the answer I wouldn't be here today you know and the answer didn't appear to me you know until about maybe eight years ago when I saw someone in whom the problem had been solved, you know, someone who was not only in a normal body after being severely obese, but someone whose life was in place 
you know, despite the fact that it wasn't perfect, despite the fact that um, she had challenges. And then, you know, and then um, I was, I became aware of what the possibilities are. You know, there's a, there's a weight loss program for men here in Canada that is advertised widely in the, um, in the radio and, and you know, TV, etc. Um, and their slogan is, which I think should be OA's slogan is, if I could have done it alone, I would have done it already. You know, and that's definitely the, the summary of my first 20 years of marriage. And, you know, I'm so grateful to my husband that he stuck with me all those times. You know, he wasn't happy. I wasn't happy, but he stayed in the rink with me until I found the solution. And, um, you know, I do spend a lot of time in my work with others. I spend over three hours on the phone um, talking to sponsees alone, um, you know, not counting other phone calls to to my own uh, support network, program bodies, taking um, 10 steps, etc. And, you know, although my family sometimes complain, I think that they realize on some level that it is either this or that other woman that I used to be, you know, seven years ago. The, uh, thank you. The unpredictable, miserable, angry, fat woman that I used to be, and they definitely prefer this better. And I definitely do too. It is amazing. And I pass. Thank you. Thank you, Nessa. And we will now have Dorita P. followed by Riva P. Dorita, please go ahead. Hi, thank you, Katie. Uh, Katie G. My name is Dorita P. from Cleveland, and I am a recovered uh, compulsive overeater, and I'm really grateful to be here. It's a privilege and honor to be at a meeting of Overeaters Anonymous. Everybody do not get this opportunity for whatever reason, and I'm really grateful I have a seat here. Yes, it's so much in this. Um, I'll start with just the first sentence. We women carry with us a picture of the ideal man. Um, yeah, I can relate to that. It's funny. I can relate to both sides. Um, I can relate um, to being the wife and the husband. Um, yeah, so, um, look, I'm almost not sure of where to go with this, but um, I just know that um, I guess as a couple, you know, we all have to work together. And, um, you know, what we do um, takes a lot from a relationship. Um, like Nessa said, she's, you know, with people for three hours. And, you know, that's a long time. And that's, um, you know, a long time away from our mates. So right now I'm single and um, I won't date anyone who, um, like, doesn't have other interests. Um, I'm on a couple of dating websites, and so, like, the caption, or I can't think of the other word for it, but, like, what stands out about me um, from people who is um, uh, looking at my profile is... Um, do you like to help people or would you, would you like to help people? And, um, in my profile about me, I say, um, you know, something about helping people and I, I love to help people and I'm looking for someone who also, uh, likes to help people. And, um, 
and when you uh, send me a message, please uh, share how you uh, help people. And I've gotten uh, quite a few uh, different things. I remember the one guy said, um, well, I help people in my profession. Um, and he's a barber. And, you know, my thing was, well, do you cut people's hair for free? Like maybe little boys whose mom can't afford a haircut? Um, so I'm just really grateful to be in this whole process. And I also like this other part. I know my time is almost up. Um, don't look at what we could take out of life, but what can we um, bring to life? And, you know, I found out in this whole process that life uh, or time, people doesn't owe, that, thank you, doesn't owe me anything. I owe everything to life. Thank you, Katie G. Congratulations on your new baby, too. Take care, everybody. Thank you, Dorita P. And I apologize to everyone for the noise. Um, and Reva P., please go ahead. Good morning. This is Reva P., grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater in Toronto. This chapter, um, again, as we said, um, to me is about how my disease um, affects other people, especially my significant others. And the beginning of the chapter um, reminded me how being in the disease is devastating um, to me, but also to significant others. But now as we're reading, um, it's showing me how coming into program also affects my significant others. And coming into program, um, you know, is a real shock for the person who's been living with us. And I remember my husband going from, you know, what are you talking about? What are you doing on all these phone calls? Um, are you talking about me? Um, to um, when he started seeing um, how the program was helping, I think you need to make a phone call. I think you need to go and call your sponsor <laughs> um, and come back when you've done your work kind of thing. To um, um, a point where I have been able to discern you know, a balance between definitely working with others, working the steps, and also learning how to get right with others and discern how much time is spent on the phone and how much time do I need to pay attention to my significant other, to the one who supports me through thick and thin, who, where it says, the loyalty and, and being, you know, the rock always there for me, loving me unconditionally, um, like, like to give the attention that it warrants to that person um, and, um, and express my appreciation, like pay attention to others. Um, and it's showing me, you know, then the evolution from disease coming into program and then what life is like once I have been in recovery with a person in my life that I come and both of us, it says both of us awaken to new things because just like the disease affects everybody, recovery is a ripple effect and affects everybody and it's an awakening for the whole family, for the whole relationship um, and what I can put into the relationship versus what I'm getting out paying attention to somebody else and both of us 
losing our old life and coming into something better. And that just continues and continues. As I grow, it's a ripple effect all around. And um, I just find it really hopeful to see how we can devastate ourselves and everybody else. um, And we can also rebuild and start anew and um, all come to a new understanding of of what the new normal is, which is way better than it was. With that, I pass. Thank you. Thank you, Reva. And now we'll have Karen M. followed by Leah D. And then we'll open up for a few more shares. Karen, please go ahead. Hi, this is Karen M., recovered compulsive overeater in Southern California. May I be heard? You can, Karen. Go ahead. Thank you. Um, yeah, I just, I had, I came back from the OA Big Book Retreat in Estes Park and um, full of enthusiasm. And um, I came back and my husband had been here with the kids, um, taking care of them. First time I've been gone, like in nine years um, and he'd been here himself, you know, with them for the four days. And um, I was really excited Having trouble hearing to be back. Okay. I was really excited to be back. And um, I was full of enthusiasm, which is great. And I'm entitled to my enthusiasm about my program and this program and um, working it. And yet it doesn't give me license to be inconsiderate. <laughs> of my um, husband or my family when I get back. And so it's finding that way of continuing to have my enthusiasm, doing what I need to do, um, and doing what I want to do in terms of connecting with people on the phone and um, texts and and listening to the meetings and doing all my step work and being considerate of the fact that um, they miss me. (laughs) And they also need time with me too. And maybe it's not exactly time to jump into how all the plans are going to go for me being um, at the um, OA birthday party in January. Maybe I need to give them a few days before we launch into the next time I'm going to be gone. Um, So, you know, I'm asking God to help me um, find that way and um, be considerate as well as be able to keep my enthusiasm about um, working this program and being in it. So um, that's it. Thank you. Thank you, Karen. And just a gentle reminder for everyone to please stay off speaker phones and please, um, we'll we'll make sure everybody gets heard. So uh, Leah D, could you please press star one and share? Leah, press star one, I'm not hearing you. Can you hear me? Yes, I can now, Leah. Go ahead, please. I followed the rules. I got a speakerphone. <laughs> uh, good morning. My name is Leah D. Recovery of Brooklyn. Um, for 42 years, I skipped this paragraph. Yeah, I don't need to read this. This doesn't have to do with me. I'm not an alcoholic. I don't have a wife. I'm not a husband. I'm not a yada. So this morning, I'm listening to the and I'm saying, of course this is me. This is every human relationship I was ever in. I was never part of it. I was always so fat and angry and waiting for everyone to figure out what I needed that I lost track of everything. My husband and I were married for 30 years. He passed away last October. And I realized that most of our marriage 
he never made me crazy with the wave. He wasn't, he didn't say, look what you've done, look at that. Occasionally he'd say, are you sure you want to eat that? Or, or what happens, or, you know, what happens to your plan? I'd say, oh, I'm fine, I'm fine. Don't worry about it, I'm fine. And I was never fine. I was never fine. And I'm just grateful that the last two years we had together, I was in recovery. And whether he knew it or not, I was a different person. I was able to, to give, be loving and giving. And I didn't need what I thought I needed all those years. I was so needy. I had such self-righteous anger. The world owed me. And that's what happened. That's what happened. And today I have an opportunity to not only be what they talk about in the book, with wives, but with family and friends and my daughter and people in my life. What a difference. What a difference, you know. When that spiritual awakening happened, that just didn't have to do with the the food I put on the scale. That had to do with my being, with my soul, with my inner with my inner being. Yesterday was a very holy day in the Jewish calendar. It was a communion with God day. And I said to God yesterday, you know God, I told you like this every day. You know, maybe the others aren't like that, but I'll give it an extra try today. What I'm praying for today is more conscious contact, more understanding, what the next step should be, and a better idea of clear channel thinking of how to do it. I think I like being a better person. I like this new layer. I like what's happening to me. And, of course, good old fear rears my head. You know, I talk and I say, oh, am I getting scared? And I say, no, God. You'll take that, too, and you'll hold on to it. And um, I was just compelled to share this morning because I, I missed out on a lot. And that was how it was. I can't regret it. Do not, you know, do not shut the door on the past. Do not wish, do not regret it. I can't. There's no way to go back. And I'm here today to share. And I'm glad the meeting's here, and I'm glad you're all here. So with that, I'll pass. Thank you very much. Leia D. from Brooklyn. Bye. Thanks, Leah. And we have time for about a minute or so share. Would someone like to take that a minute or two? Press star one to unmute. Madam? Matt, Hi. go ahead. Take us out, please. Thank go you ahead, very Matt. Much. Good morning, everyone. This is Madam Compulsive from New Jersey. I just want to share, like, I've never had a relationship. I've never been married. But I can apply what's going on here to my relationships with my friends because my friends have noticed a change in me. They said to me, like recently, my one friend, he said to me, you changed. I kind of liked you better when you weren't so like, you know, they basically don't think I'm a stick in the mud. I said, you know what, you wouldn't, I, don't, I wouldn't like myself if I was back where I was before, back in the food, because I like myself better now. And uh, my friends have to, they're, they're learning to come to terms with the new me. I'm still me, but I'm like more like a better version of myself. I'm not so like, you know, happy-go-lucky as I was because I wasn't high as a kite when I was in the food. So I'm learning to um, dumb down my enthusiasm for when I'm out with my friends because I have to because I can't look at different things the way they look at things anymore. I have to look at things differently. And um, fortunately, my relationships are getting affected. It's just way, the way it is. So I'm learning acceptance and things every day. So I'll just take things as they come and I'll, t- I'll take my luck as it comes and fit myself to it. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you. Perfect timing. Thanks, madam. And thank you to everyone who shared and for your patience in getting our meeting started. Please join us for a second unrecorded hour of study following closing. The share ID for today, September 20th, 2018, is 11939. That's 11939. 
We will now close with the reading from the Big Book on page 164, followed by the Serenity Prayer. Will Naomi V. please read A Vision for You? Hi, Katie. Can you hear me okay? I can, yep. Good. Thank you, dear. Thank you. This is Naomi B., a grateful recovered compulsive overeater outside Philadelphia. Our book is meant to be suggested only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order, but obviously you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is a great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you have, what you find, and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you. Until then, 